and welcome to Art Waves, a podcast about arts and culture in small rural towns. My name is Marian Myers, and I'm curious to learn more about the arts and the impact they have on my small town of Port Perry in the rural township of Skugog, Ontario, in the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of Skugog Island. I've discovered a wide variety of passionate people creating, coaching, and connecting in my community. Today, we're talking to Bill Isle. And Bill, you're involved in a project called the Bill Lishman Memorial. That's correct. So so let's go back and can I ask you, how did you get involved in this? Well, I think our listeners probably will recognize the the name Bill Lishman, but maybe we shouldn't take any chances. I'm thinking about how Bill did come into the community. He was born in Pickering, so he was part of this country with a young wife into and moved into a house in Purple Hill, but it wasn't really suitable. So he created his own underground home and then learned to fly and flew around and became a major um, contributor to the no, to the, the arts, if you like, and certainly the science of that kind of aviation. So that's Bill Lishman, and he's made a major contribution to our town. Um, I came, I've been here a quarter of a century around, one of the first people I met was Bill Lishman. First time I saw him, I looked in the sky and there was a man flying an ultralight with some geese following it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) what? (laughs) Yeah, how weird is that? It was the most magnificent thing I had ever seen. And I was in love with it right from the beginning. So when I met him shortly afterwards, I was able to tell him that, and he was, he was touched, as I'm sure he was touched by everybody who said that to him ever since. It was a magnificent thing he did. So that's the Bill Lishman we're talking about. Um, but tell us more about him. What, what did he do? Well, <laughs> what didn't he do? He was a very creative guy. And, and he was certainly first an artist. He, was, he worked in metal. And in his early days, he did metal sculpture, which he sold and was a, from the sale of those uh, works, he was able to buy his, the property in Purple Hill that became their home for the rest of his life while it is still there. That home is wondrously unique because he felt that you should have a home that's in a beautiful setting like this that honors the setting. So he buried it. And he, he created a way of building a home underground on that property. Magnificently beautiful thing. He, he designed all that, invented the techniques for creating it. He was um, always searching for new things to attack, to try on. Uh, and in that, he became a major contributor to the community just by virtue of being a successful citizen. From then on, he became very interested in other things, uh, not just this, the art that he was already continuing to do, but also the the conservation needs of this delicate environment that we have here. The Oak Ridge's moraine, he felt, was a miracle. 
and was threatened by urban development and the processes that were just going to take over land. He didn't like that. He was frightened by that. He recognized the danger to all of us of that. So he fought it. And, uh, but he was a brilliant raconteur. He was a brilliant um, capturer of the, of the metaphor of things. So he would fly his ultralight over the, the, the moraine, capturing pictures of it all from 1,500 feet. He's got thousands of photographs, some of which he put into a, bo a book that he published uh, in limited edition, which sold out. We have a few remaining copies for people who would like to contribute to, to the, the last of the, of the fundraising we have to do for this project. He was restless to do things that would service the people of this community, but also the environment generally and mankind. He, he did exploration work in flying in the Arctic. He uh, worked particularly hard to find ways to adapt uh, the, the teaching of birds to migrate because they were, they were dying out. Cranes and hoopers particularly, hooping cranes, we're down to the last 50 birds existing in the world. So tell us about that. Tell us about his Well, it's a wonderful story. story. He, he was um, um, very curious about birds. He was flying around and he noticed that the birds were out there and flying and avoiding his craft particularly because it was quite large uh, relative to a bird. But the geese were staying around him, not so much flying with him and sort of just around and they weren't frightened when he came up around them as he flew up to see how close he could get. He was very curious about any phenomenon that he was living with. And eventually he thought, you know, they don't seem to be afraid of me in the sky. Now I'm something they never ever saw before. I'm a flying man. And uh, so he thought, I'm going to learn something more about these. He studied with a, with a bird naturalist for a while, discovered about imprinting and thought, I wonder if I could use that to train birds from, you know, who hatched in my presence and saw me first imprinted on me. I wonder if they would fly with me. And what would, good would that do? But it's a curiosity. So he did it and they flew with him. He couldn't get over that. He'd fly around with these birds. <laughs> and it, it was wonderful. Uh, but he saw immediately that this has to be, I mean, this isn't just something I did. We've got to make use of this. So he began to explore the migratory issue, <clears throat> excuse me, of birds and, and how, to, how they do that. How do they know? So he thought he, if he could train these birds who imprinted on him to fly a new migratory route, now, these were geese, Canada geese, that he raised locally, he and his kids. And darn if they didn't fly with him when they flew across the, the Lake Ontario down into uh, the United States and from there down into very favorable uh, wintering grounds. I cannot remember the state he landed in. But it was a marsh that the birds found, and he, they just settled in there. So he landed and stayed with them a little bit, observed things, became the man who flew geese to Virginia or wherever it was. 
and it was worldwide known instantly. I mean, who's not captured by that image? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. too, it's too rich. So he got worldwide attention for that. His artistry was already well known. He was well collected in the United States, huge sculpture, sculptures that he sold. Uh, so he wasn't an unknown, but he was now really known. He was accepted as this is a phenomenon that's very strange. And when the when people came to to uh, interview him about all that, they discovered he was a wonderful storyteller. He was a rich personality, very friendly and and very warm, and able to give something, even as he was speaking. So, was, Bill, tell us what's your favorite story that he told then? <laughs> well, he, he he was he loved to tell tell stories about himself, certainly. And, but not because he was a narcissist. He loved to tell stories about himself to, to kind of emphasize his humanness, I guess. I mean, he was more or less human than any of the rest of us. But the stories were always about him in some way screwing up. They were, they were he, he, could, he could work in an awful lot of things about the environment while, or about some other major cause that he felt he would like to support while telling a story about himself. So his stories were rambling and they were, but they were rich. Uh, I, I won't try to do Bill. It's not even possible to do that. But he did tell a story one time coming home from, he was up in the Arctic and he had, uh, had Arctic clothes. When it was time to leave, he jumped on a plane to, to Ottawa, which was part of the project that he was working in. He was still in his winter clothes, his Arctic clothes. Uh, and, and he was very pleased with this material. He, these clothes, he, he used the word expensive when he described them. Uh, but he got back to Ottawa and got in his car and he realized this, is, this was June. <laughs> and fur clothing and heavy underwear, these are not good things to be wearing while driving, driving down from Ottawa. So, he got out of the car, it was now in the evening, and it was raining. Uh, and so he was kind of hurrying and he hung his pants up. These were he, his valued <laughs> Arctic pants. He hung them up on, the, on the, the door of his car. And he's putting the rest, taking his clothes off and it's dark, so he didn't, he didn't feel shamed or worried about being seen. People are driving by, they won't see anything. There's no detail, but a transport, truck came by and because of the big vacuum that they they created the rear end as they're pulling along it just lifted the his pants up off the, window, the door of his car <laughs> stuck to the back of the truck and there he watched his pants drive down the road now by this time in telling this story he's he's getting that kind of laugh you know it was a good image he's great and it was foolish and stupid for he should have taken more care of you all that notwithstanding, he said, I had to get those pants back. And so he jumped in his car and he's roaring down the road. I have no idea how Bill Lishman stopped this truck. I can only imagine he pulled up alongside and said, sir, my pants are stuck on the back. How would that even communicate? The yeah. guy would just think he was a wacko. Yeah. But he got him stopped. And by the end of it, he told the story, <clears throat> excuse me, and the guy was laughing and glad he stopped because yeah. that's the kind of guy Bill was. Yeah. 
But and he got his pants back. They peeled them off the back of the truck. It took some work actually, because <laughs> it was high. <laughs> but they two together working on that. This guy had a good time because he did a friend of, or did a stranger a favor. Bill had a good story that he, that he could use many times over. Yeah, that was the way he worked. Yeah. So now describe uh, for us the Bill Lishman Memorial Project. What are okay. you doing? Bill died in the end of February in, 19, in 2017. It's five years. And it was very evident right from the beginning that the township lost somebody of significance. This was a citizen of note. He'd made major contributions to the community. He brought much attention to the community with all of his other adventures as well. And so he... Uh, needed to be celebrated by this community. Uh, a group of us got together, guys who had known him well, created the Bill Lichman Memorial Group, and out of that, we came to the Skewgard Council for the Arts, and by gosh, weren't they willing to support a good art project, a mm -hmm. local presentation? So we became a committee of the Skewgard Council for the Arts. We have been raising money, uh, we've made a a contract with Jordy Lishman, Bill Lishman's son, also a metal sculptor, to create a, a structure, a memorial structure for Bill. We sold that to the local township council, and they've agreed to, to give us a spot, a prominent spot in the town, which has been which has happened now and will be part of the the Lake uh, Skewgog action, the lakefront action project. And so we have a space, right? So it'll now. be in the park that's it along the lake eventually yeah. when that park is. There will be changes in the central, around the, the, the government pier, there'll be changes along in there. And that area will be where the, the sculpture will be. And the idea is that it's not just the sculpture, but you also on the base, there's will be information about Bill Lishman so that people will understand, yeah. oh, that was Father Goose. Yes. That's exactly. who the, that film was about, Fly Away Home, and so Thank on. Thank you for mentioning yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Another way he brought fame to this community. They shot a lot of it in this community. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we are, we have a, a budget of $150,000. We have a hundred and I think, I don't know what current, the today's number is, but something like 107,000 with promises of uh, things that will come. Uh, as soon as this, the COVID fear is gone, we'll be able to do outside activities and draw people in. Uh, we, so we have, what, 43,000 left or maybe a little less than that to develop over the next little while. And so that's why I'm glad to have this opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. And so um, how can people help then? Well, because we're members of the Skewgog Council for the Arts, your, your, any gift that a person would like to make is will get a tax refund. Ca receipt. Ca tax receipt, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, they, get, they will get a, uh, yes, they'll get a tax receipt. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And <clears throat> on top of that, there will be, if, if the gifts are large enough, we do have some rewards to send out on top of that. Yeah. And so if they go to the website, the um, skugogarts.ca, yes. it's pretty prominent there. The community projects and the the Bill Lishman Memorial Project is in yes. there, and so there's yeah, and there is a 
component of that site where they can actually make a donation if they like. Mm -hmm. If they, and that would be for relatively small donations, but if they're thinking of making a larger donation and thousand dollars or more, which we would be very pleased to receive, yeah. they can do that by contacting Secure Council for the Arts directly or you yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, or, or just send a, a, a check yeah. to, the, to your address. So tell us another Bill Lishman story. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> tell us about the cranes. How did, how did he take um, flying the geese to, um, to the cranes? Yeah. What? It, was a, it was a stroke of brilliance, and I'm not sure when that happened for him. It's, I think his first efforts were with geese, and gosh, he could do it. And then he wondered, well, you know, who, the cranes are the bigger one. Hooping cranes are the biggest problem because they're using migratory routes right now. They get them killed. It's a yeah. dangerous set of routes. So he thought, I'm not going to, nobody's going to give me any Hooper eggs. They're down to 50 birds in, in the world. But so I'll try with sandhill cranes. They're common. And he did get some bird, some eggs, hatched them. They imprinted. Now, Cranes are a little different from geese. Geese are flock animals. Cranes flock too, but but independently. It's like the hermits of flockers, you know. Okay. And and the cranes were much more difficult in the sense that they kept flying off, and you have to keep track of them, and it was harder to do. So you you got another guy flying with them, and that sort of thing. But the the cranes did in fact follow the ultralights across the lake and down to a different, more appropriate for cranes landing site, migratory site. And then they flew home and waited. And the following spring, just as with the geese, these cranes came back, not exactly to the same location, but from a crane's point of view, they were right on about a few miles slightly west of where oh. they were raised. Um, and that was a miracle. For them, it was, hey, we can really think about this now. So there, Bill, he told wonderful stories about the when the cranes came home. <laughs> he had he had things to say about that, and mostly it was, thank God, yeah, but yeah. they're back. And he discovered a lot of things as he as he did things too, like he. He got in trouble, you know, oh, a fair wow. bit, didn't he? You know, like flying down to the U.S. without really realizing, oh, I need some kind of special permission to do yeah. this. And he was a little more systematic and better organized than the movie played him to be. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Fly Away Home was a was a wonderful, the Father Goose movie, Fly Away Home, was a wonderful uh, attempt at making us a, a kind of, good 90-minute movie out of Bill's story. But Bill's story was a way too rich to try to do anyway. And uh, so they, they made a kind of family thing out of it. And it was a lovely, lovely movie. But it didn't, it didn't capture the, the risk, amount of risk that, that Bill took mm -hmm. and the terrible price he had to pay in, in terms of money, I mean, in terms of just organizational structure huge costs to make it happen. So it wasn't just a lark. You know, he flew down to Virginia and with some birds one day. This took a long time. The, 
the cranes took even more. Yeah. And so he he told the story about the being able then to think about Hoopers as somebody they could take care of. And they had the reputation and the government let them have some Cooper some Hooper eggs. And they did the same thing over again, matched pretty well with their experience with the cranes. And the Hoopers came back. Yeah. And now there, the, the, there are several new migratory routes that have been developed, uh, really stimulated by Bill's uh, first early techniques to do this. He was making it up as he went. Now there are all kinds of naturalists and they're saying, well, you know, it can be tuned and it can be done better. And that Bill was really, he was, he was the first. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been wonderful hearing more about him and and mm -hmm. uh, hearing you recounting his stories too are just as <laughs> charming as as Bill himself telling them, I'm sure. So thank you, Bill Isle of the uh, Bill Lishman Memorial uh, Committee and uh, Chi Miigwech for spending time with us today. Thanks to The Wanted for their song Before the Fall and the Ontario Trillium Foundation for the grant that got this done. Visit scugogarts.ca to get the scoop on what we're up to and whatever's happening with the Bill Lish Memorial Project and join us every week for another episode of Art Waves. <laughs>